Hello and welcome to Talk Spooky to Me, the Ghost Story Guys Mail Show. I'm Brennan Storer. I'm Paul Bestel. And this is the show where we get a chance to hear from you, our audience. Paul, my friend, how are you doing? I'm okay. We've had summer back today for a day, so that was good. Has it been crappy there? It's been raining oh, a lot. okay. We had flash floods on Saturday. People Yikes. filmed themselves on a bus being flooded around the, around the corner from where I live, which is why I live on a hill. Uh, that sounds wise. I got to say, though, if I'm being flooded out on a bus, documenting it for posterity is the last thing that would be on my mind. <laughs> it's an experience, isn't it? You know? I guess. I mean, I, I didn't videotape my vasectomy. You know, there, there, <laughs> that was an experience, let me tell you. You haven't lived and see, until you've seen white smoke curling up from your nuts like they've just elected a new pope. <laughs> Well, summer has arrived uh, back in the UK. It's been it's been pretty nice and warm here. Uh, I have been mostly just hiding out and uh, playing superhero video games. As I mentioned to you, I just started playing Guardians of the Galaxy on the PS4 and have really been enjoying it. I shall be getting a copy now based on your recommendation because I think it's only 20 quid here. This is not an ad for Guardians of the Galaxy on <laughs> PS4, folks. This is just a couple of nerds talking about the things they enjoy. <laughs> And of course, uh, before we get to the email, Paramete inches ever closer. And you were on a, a live stream with the founders of Paramete uh, today, yes. as it were. Yes, not. yes, yes. Which was which was quite good fun. So uh, sort of uh, introducing myself and and stuff, and they were trying to dig into what I was doing. So I'm still keeping it under wraps. He is a man of many secrets. This Paul Bestel. Yes, some I will never share. <laughs> you and me both, my friend. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are not here to talk about many and varied secrets. Oh, I mean, we have, I suppose, over time. Uh, but regardless, we are here to check the mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. Of course, if you want to get in touch with us, you want us to read your message out on the show, send us an email, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com, leave a comment on YouTube, follow us on YouTube, or of course, the Ghost Story Guys on there. You can find a link in the show notes as well to where you can subscribe. And there are going to be video elements to the show coming sooner than you might think. Uh, we're still kind of hammering out format and things like that, but there is a very real chance that eventually Talk Spooky at least could be a, uh, a live show, which is then ported out for audio subscribers. So again, follow us on YouTube to keep up with all the latest video developments because, hey, when you got phases like these, Paul, you can't hide them. <laughs> Yeah, we can we can live stream me drinking some Clamato juice. <laughs> oh man, did that resonate? Folks responded to Clamato juice, Paul. Holy shit! Uh, it was actually our listener Mara and a couple other folks told me this that Clamato juice is a Canadian thing, uh, exclusively Canadian thing, which I did not realize. I knew um, I knew it started here. Maybe I didn't realize we were the only ones who were crazy enough to do it. Uh, but Mara was telling me that the Caesar itself was a Canadian invention. It was apparently. Uh, created in 1969 in Calgary. So I, I had no idea that we, we had our own rip-off Bloody Mary. I, again, I thought it was, I, like most of our cultural things, I assume it originated in the U.S. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of, of a Bloody Mary anyway, because I don't really like vodka. So. Oh, uh, fair enough. See, I, the thing I like with Bloody Marys is that they've evolved over time from the thing that alcoholics drink in the morning to replace breakfast to this sort of meal in a cup. <laughs> so I remember I, I first saw this when I was in New Orleans in 2015. I ordered a Bloody Mary at the bar and it came essentially with a small buffet around the rim of the glass. There, there were shrimp, there were vegetables. This, it looked like a small hunting party 
had gone out and was paying tribute to my drink. Yeah, I was really quite confused. And I've since learned that's just a thing that happened. So I've, I've, I have now in the time since then seen like photos of Bloody Marys with hamburgers garnishing the, the rim. I, I'm going to, I'm going to find you a link because I know I, I don't understand it either. What's wrong with just stick of celery? Well, that's how it started. And like so many things in Western culture, it escalated. In my, in my younger, more intense days, I would often have a tomato juice on the morning with a packet of ready salted crisps to uh, reinvigorate all the things that I'd sweated out of them the night before. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. I just used to go to Denny's. I, I've, <laughs> I've sent you a Facebook message with, uh, with uh, the, a link to a, a cheeseburger garnished Bloody Mary. Oh, let's have a look at this monstrosity. Uh. <laughs> Why would you do that? Because freedom. <laughs> All right. So our first message comes from the Chronic Witch on Instagram. The Chronic Witch says, "Hey there, big fan of GSG and wanted to send something along. Don't know if you have access to the streaming platform Max, but there's a show on there called These Woods Are Haunted, and oh man, it's all Bigfoots and Hellhounds and forest entities. Sounds right up your alley, right? Anyway, if you have access, check it out. Have a delightful day." Uh, I'm not familiar with that show, Paul. Are you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> some parts of it are quite interesting. Um, Listen some... closely. You can hear Paul <laughs> tap dancing around this question. <laughs> and some parts are clearly works of fiction by very overly excited people. Paranormal TV show selling fiction? Paul, say it isn't so. <laughs> hey, you're saying that I was watching something the other day. Looked away for 10 minutes, came back, and Ghost Adventures was on. I was so annoyed with myself. <laughs> and it was hilarious, because it was a really old one. So they were doing these really shit cutscenes. Like, Zach would be stood there going, Is this house haunted? And then they'd go somewhere else. And they'd all be stood there looking like Boyzone or something. Like, piss off. Those were the salad days for old Zach. He was doing well back then. <laughs> God, the point, he's at the point now we're going to start getting uh, requests from him to be on the show. <laughs> Next up is Alicia. Hi guys, love the podcast. Small story for you. A little background. My father-in-law passed away after a short battle with cancer late 2020. My husband and our one-year-old daughter moved in with his mum to keep her company and help her deal with the stuff he had left behind. My daughter was one at this time and would toddle around the living room and kitchen doing toddler things, but always wanted to play on the stairs. And frequently, as she got older, she would babble and chatter with herself, or someone. A small side note, and this might be relevant, but our daughter was our first ever grandchild and my father-in-law adored her. He would call her kid's gorgeous girl, and he was just grandpa to us, but as she got older, she would point to pictures of him that we had throughout the house and go, Papa! It's like that's Grandpa. She's trying to say, no, Papa. It makes me think that she'd been talking to Grandpa when she was trying to play with whatever it was on the stairs. I am convinced that my father-in-law is haunting my mother-in-law because she's doing things that he would do. She's chronically late for things. She's been collecting a lot of stuff. It's just funny coincidence. As of right now, we've moved out and aren't there as much. I always wonder if our little girl was playing with Grandpa and I just wish I had some confirmation he was there. Alicia, thanks so much for sharing that. And I, I hope so. I really do. I hope that, uh, that it was your, I hope, I hope that it was her papa coming back to, uh, to yeah, just keep company with her, check in on her. 
I know I've said before, my niece had an experience like that. And I don't think we can ever have confirmation. I kind of think not knowing is, is, is half the point, but again, it, it just sounds like a really pleasant experience. Mm. I'm always very intrigued. There seems to be a lot of toddlers who have imaginary play friends or people that nobody else can see on the stairs. What is it about the stairs? That's a good question. I mean, there are so many paranormal things centered around stairs. I, I honestly, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was, I was actually thinking about this, come to think of it. I was thinking about this because I was listening again to your uh, Bothell Hellhouse episode, the first one, mm-hmm. or Bothell House, and I was thinking about something, uh, some stuff Keith said, and I was thinking that I, I almost think there are some places which are like nexus points, but I think there's like some, I keep getting this like image of like something, something not geographical, what's the word I'm looking for? Geometrical. Like something, there's some combination of shapes that, or that, I, I don't know. I, I just think maybe there's some kind of distortion that happens when you've got these, these sort of particular angles. And I wonder if sometimes stairs hit that just right, that just right configuration. I mean, obviously I'm talking up my ass. I, I don't know. But I was, I was thinking about that with Bothell. I was just, it seems like a place that's a nexus of some sort and there's multiple things moving through. Like, like he was talking this story and folks, if you haven't heard that episode of Mysteries and Monsters, I'll put a link in the show notes. I really encourage you to check it out. But I was thinking about how he saw the gray lady and it was a fully featured woman. She was just gray. And it got me thinking about there's those lights. There, there was some kind of art installation that had a series of lights that would make it look like you were grayscale. And I, I, and coupled with what Devin said a while back on one of these shows about the way our eyes pre, uh, view light, I, I feel like there's, there's something there. I, I, I don't know enough to draw the right conclusions, but I feel like there is something there in, involving the light spectrum that would help explain some of this. I just can't, again, I can't kind of whittle it down to to the base because I don't know enough. Yeah, there's certainly some aspect of your eyesight that changes as you're a child. You have a wider spectrum as a youngster. And as you get, I think by the time you hit eight or nine, your eyes have developed into the normal parameters. But prior to that, you can see the edges of the spectrum, which you can't see as an older person. Next up is a message from Vince. Vince says, Brennan and Paul, I'm currently isolating in my office with my second bout of COVID. Oh shit, Vince, that sucks. However, ghost story guys in a strange little place are helping pass the time, even though I can't focus my eyes from the high fever. I found the podcast during the pandemic and decided to listen from the beginning. I binged it until I was caught up. I appreciate the dedication to all things spooky, but I also appreciate how you both critically think and theorize about others. It's also pleasant to listen to as you don't try to jump scare the bejeepas out of me. While I like paranormal stuff, I am too chicken shit for horror movies and such things. 3 p.m. is my threshold for listening to paranormal podcasts or reading paranormal books for that matter. If you ever find your way to Southeast PA again, I'll make sure to treat you to a beer and an Italian roast pork sandwich. Malevolently, Vince. Hey, you got yourself a deal, my friend. <laughs> I'm flying in. Yeah, right? Hey, I'm right behind you. Oh, man, <laughs> I love roast pork sandwiches. Anything that's got a bunch of marinara on it, I'm just in. Or, or anything like Italian. I guess you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have an Italian beef sandwich yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get to Chicago, have an Italian beef sandwich. Holy shit bunch of jardinera on there it's it's god's gift to mankind yeah well you'll be surprised to learn that there's an italian deli around the corner from here in, in, no i'm I, of all things i'm not surprised in sheffield that there's but an italian deli sees, and they do pork roast dipped so the the top is is dipped underneath and then you magnificent a... motherfuckers mm, god could live on them i am so anno- i'm i'm not gonna be able to get up there when i'm in when i'm in the uk and i'm so pissed off about that because <laughs> it just sounds like the land of milk and honey yeah, well, there's lots happening. You know, we've got a special bus driving around the city this week, celebrating Pulp's return to the city. So there's a special bus as well and things. There's all, all kinds of exciting things happened. 
There was something very exciting happened the other day. I was going to mention it to you because it was just something else that would probably make you sick. Go for it. I'm trying to think what it was now. We had some other weird sort of international... Oh, yeah, the, the International Synthesizer Festival is being held in Sheffield this year. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> well, Vince, coming back to your message. I'm, I'm happy we can provide you some solace while you're uh, fighting off COVID there, man. I don't envy you. I hope this came in a couple days ago. I hope you're starting to feel better. Uh, the fever is so bad, you can't see. That scares the shit out of me. I'll be honest with you. So again, I hope you feel better soon, my friend. Next up, Fiona says, Not many podcasts make me laugh out loud, but you two will do it. When Paul said he needed a wash, I was creased. Brilliant episode, gents. Thank you, Fiona. That must have been the, the Clamato thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I mentioned washing often, so yes, I hope so. <laughs> and Charlie also says, I just wanted to clue you guys in on a pretty great short film I found on YouTube. It's called The Remnant from 2019. And I've included links to the IMDb page and one directly to the YouTube channel. It's about a team of con artists looking to snatch a valuable painting from a woman who thinks they're paranormal investigators. And they're there to try and rid her home of an evil presence. I know it's short. I think the YouTube counter is just over 16 minutes. So I'm sure it had a very limited budget. But the filmmakers definitely put some significant talent into making the film, as it left me completely satisfied. Well, thanks, Charlie. I will, I will check that out. I think Charlie recommended another film that I really enjoyed. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, or I'll put rather the link that Charlie provided in the show notes. I, uh, I saw a short film once. I want to, I want to have a quick look, see if I can find the name. I saw it as part of Fantasia Fest when it was uh, online during the pandemic, because obviously, you know, Fantasia is a huge, very cool genre film festival in Montreal of all places. And of course, I had to come home before that before that happened. But there was this uh, as part of their short film block, there was this thing, and I I'm, think I remember the name. Yeah, so the film the short is called Abracitos, and if you can find it, I don't know where it's streaming. It, again, it's maybe ten minutes long. It's creepy as shit. Uh, it was directed by Tony Morales. And uh, very, very much worth your time if you guys can find it. All right, so next up is Melissa. Melissa says, Hey guys, I'm a new fan. I came across your pod via the Instagram algorithm sending me weird memes based on my likes. Anyways, I was just catching up on the episodes, really enjoying the show. Currently, I'm on the Shadows Beyond the Campfire episode. Admittedly, I've been bouncing around a little. On this particular episode, there was a strange story about lost time at Half Dome in Yosemite and it reminded me of an experience me and my boyfriend, now husband, had at Half Dome back in 2012. We used to live out there in California and spent a few days hiking various trails. We went to Half Dome in January or February, and not a lot of people were up there because it was still pretty wintry. It's an out and back trail loop, and we only saw one other lone hiker, but the whole time we felt like we were being stalked. We would walk a few paces, and you could hear faint rustling just out of view of the trail. When we stopped, the noise would stop. It was quiet, being winter and all, and it was bright and sunny, but still quite eerie. At the time, we were afraid it was a hungry mountain lion, honestly, and being the only prey available, we felt the best choice was to go back to our car, and we never finished the hike. We never heard or saw any animal, but it felt like being watched, specifically stalked, in a very threatening way. I don't like that trail. We tell the story jokingly, generally, but at the time, it felt very serious. I don't consider myself a spiritual sensitive, per se, but I am a spiritually minded person. After hearing that one story, I am wondering if there is something off about that trail. Love the show, you're excellent storytellers, and I enjoy the conversational format. 
I would go Patreon, but I'm a healthcare worker and my student loans are about to be due again without any forgiveness. Thanks, Supreme Court, you desiccated ghouls. So I'm perpetually broke. <laughs> Thanks for your understanding. Melissa, believe me, we, we get it. Uh, the fact that you're listening is enough. We really, really appreciate that. And the fact that you took the time to email us is very, very cool. We really appreciate that. Uh, and also, Paul, I got to say, I'm so glad that the Instagram account is actually sending people our way. Mm. Because there are times where people will comment on shit and say, oh, you're a podcast. <laughs> yes. Well, I think they're very lucky if they were in Yosemite because uh, there's some very hair-raising Bigfoot stories from that particular location. So if they're, if they're lucky, it would just have been a ghost. Yeah. Or, well, or a mountain lion. That is a very possible thing. I know we were in Yosemite in 2008 and they, they were warning everyone away from this one section of, of the... Uh, of this trail because there was a mountain lion out there. And I, I remember, I have this story I've told multiple times on the show, but back in Revelstoke, I was out for a walk with my cousin. This is like 2004 or five. And it was maybe two in the morning, three in the morning. And we were out walking on the green belt in a part of town called Big Eddie. And we realized eh, about halfway out the loop that there was something in the bushes stalking us. And that was very likely a cougar and not the fun kind. So, uh, <laughs> Next is from Lindsay, who says, Just wanted to drop a quick note about the ads in the show. I'm a patron, but I listen on Google Podcasts because I just don't love the patron interface. For most shows, I just skip past the ads. But you guys always make them hilarious. I cracked up at the latest one about the Swedish chef, and I also love Bren's pizza guy impression. Anyway, just wanted to say thank you for making all parts of the show entertaining. That's why you're my favourites. Thank you, Lindsay. I, I love writing ads. So I, I, it always makes me happy that, uh, that folks like him. Or actually, we, we're recording part of a new one today for uh, an author friend of the show, which I'm <laughs> looking forward to. Uh, I was going to say, if you're, a, if you're a patron of the show and you don't like Patreon's interface, which is garbage, so I understand, you can actually copy and paste your RSS feed from Patreon into a third-party podcatcher. I think actually Google Podcasts has a separate thing for private RSS feeds. So you just copy it from Patreon over to uh, Google. And you get all the patron stuff in your Google app. So you don't miss out on any of the bonus shows and things like that. Because, yeah, but Patreon's app is dog shit. <laughs> Most things Patreon does is dog shit. I'll be honest with you. Oh, they're just rolling out a new platform, which I'm sure will be brilliant. Oh, yeah, no, I can't imagine that's going to be a, a rolling cavalcade of nightmares. <laughs> Do you make your living on this platform? Allow us to complicate this unnecessarily. <laughs> We're Thanks, just going to make it really hard for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, we're upping our fees. <laughs> fuck you, creators. They, they should call it that. They should just call it fuckyoucreators.com. Fuckion. Fuck you. Well, yeah, it's pretty much fuckion already. <laughs> our next message comes from Micah. Micah says, I've been meaning to message you with a big thank you for sharing my story in one of the dream episodes late last year. Mine was regarding my father and I in the garden. It meant a great deal to hear and helped me continue to heal and mourn. I apologize for such a late follow-up, but like my dad, I specialize in procrastination. But that's not why I emailed. I'm listening to the July 4th release. Actually, I'm listening to it right now for the third time as I'm headed to bed. I'm one of those that listens as I do chores slash walk the dog slash walk to work. It gives me a reason to go back and pick up anything I missed. Well, I missed something until tonight, and I cannot explain how, but here it goes. Paul, this is specifically for you. Somehow I missed your story of the psychic you visited. I missed completely what she had said regarding your friend and not learning to drive because of what had happened to him. Minutes before you shared that, I had prayed to my loved ones who had passed, particularly my brother Jason, who was struck by a car at 17 and killed. 
See, I signed up for driving classes two days ago and had my first lesson today. My second is tomorrow morning. I just asked if my parents and brother could watch out for me and grease the wheels in some magical way should I need, should I need the help. For years I've been terrified of hurting someone, and that fear held me back. Losing my brother was really the end of my family. It fell apart quickly after his death, with my mum committing suicide two years later, and I blamed cars for all of it. I hated them. I was even hit by a car a few years back. Well, last Friday I had an epiphany that it was time to let go and move past this giant roadblock in my life. And I've been rolling right through it. I say all this because it felt unreal that I had just asked for help and guidance when you shared something I felt to my core. I don't believe in coincidences on this scale. It felt like I was supposed to hear it at the right time, unimpeded and paying attention. Anyway, if I can do it, you can too. Whenever you're ready, listen to your friend and move on. Sorry if this is a bit of a ramble, I just couldn't get back to sleep without saying something. Thanks for another awesome episode, guys. Take care and be well. Well, that's lovely. Thank you for taking the time to uh, to share that. I did. I have I have tried. I got about 18 lessons in, but I just didn't get to a certain point. So I've um, I've not gone back, but I'm planning to uh, get back into it, I think. Because it was quite nice, you know. But, um, yeah, I'm just a lazy ass, I think, because everything's within 20 minutes walking distance. <laughs> I feel like that's the opposite of lazy. If you rather walk than drive, I... I... Well, yeah, I do walk everywhere, so obviously not to foreign countries. Well, that's I mean, anywhere is walking distance if you have the time. That is mm. a fact of life. <laughs> it it took me a long time to get my license. I I didn't get a license until I was uh, twenty seven is when I went for, for my test finally. I, and honestly, I I only went because I I someone actually I'm similar ish situation in that uh, someone in my family died very suddenly. And all of a sudden I just thought, shit, I don't have as much time as I thought I did, man. Mm. And so I just went and went and did it. But I, I was really scared because when I was a kid, I was in two uh, car accidents with my dad. My dad was a fucking terrible driver. And so I, I remember like, yeah, that scared the shit out of me. Like the, the second one, I remember especially, you know, I was in a car with my sister and I think that one was his fault. And all I remember is the car just spinning around being covered in glass. It was just a fucking terrifying experience. And, um, I think that really put me off for a long time. I don't, I, not consciously maybe, but I always just kind of had excuses that I, why I wasn't going to do it. And, uh, it, it, now that I've got it, I mean, I, I don't have a car. I just, you know, can't afford it at the moment, but man, I fucking love driving. Yeah. I mean, I've been in a pretty bad car smash as well. One of them that you don't understand how everybody got out without a scratch. Of course. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I know it wasn't the crash that nearly killed me. It was the fact that my, I was in the dri- passenger side front seat and my side was hanging over the edge of a shit, shit drop of about 30 foot so i had to jesus get, christ dude get out and uh, and scramble across the, <laughs> the bonnet to to reach solid ground so uh that was good Holy christ. i mean that Did was only the windshield uh it, it the the um we basically hit a wall at uh, 75 miles an hour good lord uh and 360 um the petrol tank got ripped out at the back end snapped both axles front end was smashed to pieces um and that was the driver's fault because he was fucking about with the radio and took his eyes off the road and nearly plowed head on into another car and swerved and hit the wall and oh man yeah jesus christ yeah six of us not one of us one person got a bit of a bruised head and they bounced up wow that was it my sister had a had a near miss like that when she was yeah. a kid she was hanging out with these dipshits mm. and they were i think they were um four by four and down on the flats mm. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was her friend had a much much older boyfriend. It was gross. <laughs> and I don't know how she managed to avoid it, but uh, as I recall, the pictures of the inside of the truck where her head should have been, the metal was indented. So mm-hmm. it's just a fucking miracle that her head wasn't there at that exact moment when it got punched in. Uh, it, it, like it, it just you, you you can't think too much about like how close because it gets scary. But yeah, man. Cars, I mean, again, I like driving. Cars, very dangerous. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. I've always been a lucky bastard. And then you ended up on this show. <laughs> and that streak <laughs> yeah, ended. Yeah, here I am. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Being harassed by animals. Oh, I don't know if I call myself an animal. All right, fine. Now this... <laughs> Next up is a message from Tessa. And Tessa says, oh my God, I just about died when Paul said my name. I didn't think you guys would notice my comment. I am truly honoured that you both saw it, and on top of that, truly stoked that it made it onto one of your shows. You have no idea how much you made this nerdy girl from Northern California's day, night, week, month, year. (laughs) You two not only brighten up my life, but I think you guys have inspired me to investigate the area where I live, and to see what weird, bizarre, paranormal accounts I can come across and write a book. In one of your shows, I remember you guys saying there's not too many books written about the weirdness that takes place in Northern California. And when you hear that, you probably think, Redwood Trees, Bigfoot. But nope, I don't actually live up that far. I live about an hour north of Sacramento. It's a small farming town. But we actually have a two but we actually have two documented UFO accounts that took place in the seventies. But I know there's more craziness around here than that that's been buried. I don't know why, but I feel like I need to try at least write this. Do you have any ideas how to get started? Do I write to the local papers asking for anyone who has unusual encounters to reach out to me? Or just trying to check sites like newspapers.com? Any insight or direction would be greatly appreciated. So I I would start there. I would start with newspapers.com. I would start with, honestly, stuff like Reddit. There's a bunch of different paranormal forums on Reddit. I would just drop the name of your county or your town. I would actually do a couple different versions of it into Reddit and see what you can pull out there. Uh, there's sites like yourghoststories.com. You can do searches there. Um, newspapers.com is a little harder just because it, it's such a big field and you kind of have to know specifically what you're looking for. And you're, you're pro- like, if you put in ghost into newspapers.com, you're, you're going to get a ton of results and none of them are going to be what you want. Um, I mean, UFO maybe, but it probably even then it's like, mm, it's tough. Paul, do, pl- do places like MUFON still post their uh, case reports online? Yeah, yeah, MUFON do. Um, obviously the BFRO do. Um, so you just, you've just got to track it down. I would always suggest as well, trying local historical societies. Mm, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just Google any local researchers and stuff, because as soon as you start, you'll find it, especially in, in that particular area. I would imagine there's tons of strange things going on in Northern California outside of illegal weed farms, allegedly. The, the other thing that was occurred to me is like uh, Facebook groups. There's guaranteed to be some kind of Facebook group for haunting in that area. Uh, like I, I'm, I can't remember how, I think it might've been our, our listener, Mayshree, uh, invited me at one point to the haunted Tehachapi group. And I mean, Tehachapi's, you know, it's not as far up as you are, but you know, if there's a haunted Tehachapi group, I have to imagine there's a haunted group for, you know, your area. So I, I would also check Facebook. There'll probably be a private group, so you might have to join, but yeah, I, I think those are all pretty, pretty solid places to start. Yeah. I would imagine as well, check out Zelia Edgar's work, because if anything super weird's happened in Northern California, Zelia's probably uncovered it. Oh yeah. Uh, well, that, that leads me to, to the next message we had, which is sort of along the same lines from our listener, Jonathan. 
And Jonathan says, my wife and I discovered your show randomly while going to a ghost walk in Wilmington, North Carolina. Since then, we've been avid listeners and love your show. I've had many experiences that I would call paranormal, especially when I was stationed at Kadena Air Base in Okinawa, Japan. I swear every curve of the road on that base has a ghost story attached to it. Rather than share my stories, though I may in future, I was really wondering where I could start reading legit research into the paranormal, rather than the sensationalized crap that seems to be prevalent on TV and the internet. I sent him a separate response, but I wanted to get, uh, well, one, I wanted to repeat it on here because I think there is a lot of bad information out there, but also I, I um, yeah, really wanted to get your, uh, to get your take. So, and Zelia Edgar was one of the people I mentioned, but, but who else would you say, Paul? David Weatherly. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 100%. I think, well, he's done a book on North Carolina. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. So he's always a good person to start. I mean, the, there is a thing for me that if you kind of look before, I don't know, 2002 at websites and YouTube uploads of shows and documentaries, I would be very surprised if you find stuff that might be a bit dry, but isn't the modern version of paranormal investigation, because there's tons and tons of stuff that would have been shown on channels like PBS that somebody recorded on VHS that's now on YouTube. So just try YouTube in your local area and, and ghosts and things, and I'm sure you'll find somebody of relevance that's not telling you everything that creaks is a demon. Um, also, I mean, Paul's too modest to say this, but uh, Mysteries and Monsters, you should, if you're not listening to Mysteries and Monsters and you want to seriously know about the paranormal, listen to Paul's show. Uh, you're going to have, I don't think you're, there's anywhere else you're going to find the combination of intelligence, curiosity, and background knowledge that you find on that show. I mean, Paul alone has, we're going to talk about you like you're not here for a second. Paul alone <laughs> I'll just leave. has like a massive store of knowledge, as you guys know, just from listening to the show. But I mean, he also has guests who can access that knowledge, who can kind of communicate with him in a way to bring that out. And he brings it out in them. So yeah, if you're not listening to Mysteries and Monsters and you want to know the paranormal, listen to Mysteries and Monsters. Micah Hanks is a good one as well in the Carolinas. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Micah Hanks. Um, the other, I always mention um, the book, The Siren Call of Hungry Ghosts by Joe mm. Fisher. Brilliant book uh, that I think is, is essential reading for anyone who's got any interest in the paranormal. Yep, yep. You kindly sent me a copy. I did indeed, yeah. And I also, if you like gin, I'm really fascinated by gin stories, but they're harder to find because I think most, I should say most, I think there is a tendency among paranormal researchers to sort of focus on Western things. Or if they're talking about something like gin, they just get very tied up. They don't interrogate it enough to really tease apart the cultural threads. So quite often, if it's Western gin researchers, they'll say, oh, well, it's, it's an Islamic demon. That's not true. The, the belief in jinn predates the beginning of Islam. But again, quite often those two things are just, because jinn appear in the Quran, those two things are conflated. But again, they existed in pre-Islamic Arabia. So I recommend for that uh, Rabia Chowdhury's podcast, The Hidden Jinn, and um, Robert Lebling's Legend of the Fire Spirits is a really interesting overview of the various cultural lore surrounding jinn. So that's, uh, again, if you're into that topic the way I am, those two things are very cool. I would also mention as well, try and see if you can find any books or, or articles in regards to the Native American tribes that were in that area. I would imagine that will give you a good uh, lead into some strange and wonderful beliefs and uh, experiences as well that, once again, are often overlooked by mainstream press or adapted into the, oh, 
of course this house is haunted. It's it's built on a burial yard. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So Tessa and Jonathan, hopefully those will give you some places to start. And thank you both for listening. And we only charge ten percent commission. Thank you. Fifteen. <laughs> Speaking of finances, we're going to take a quick break to pay the bills, and we'll be right back. If you were a patron at Patreon.com/slash/GhostStoryGuys, or by subscribing to Apple Podcasts, you wouldn't have to listen to any ads at all. Our next message is from the UK and Keith. And Keith says, just a quick one that will make you smile based on one of your conversations in episode 165, where spotted dick dessert and the affectionate term where someone is called cock that Paul mentioned. Anyway, I'm from the black country in the UK, which I'm sure Paul will be aware of. Indeed I am. Great. It's lovely around there. So something which we have the older black country folk will be aware of is a suck shop. (laughs) It's a black country term for a sweet shop. So you would have a bag of suck or sweets. And you can understand the confusion if a black country bloke goes to another part of the country and asks someone where the li- <laughs> and asks somebody where the nearest suck shop is. <laughs> I hope that gives you both a smile. Well it certainly gives me more than a smile, Key. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna run that one past my wife and she's gonna say, How is it you always manage to find these terms? And I'll try and blame you, Keith, but she won't believe me. Hmm. Well we call it we call them spice up here. You got any spice? Get some spice for, for film. Paul, I think someone's just trying to sell you drugs. No, no, no. I know the difference. <laughs> I know those words. That's very different. <laughs> come on, but, come on. <laughs> but yeah, we round here in Yorkshire, we call we used to call sweet spice. Bag of spice. Okay. The only different candy word I can think of is there are certain candies sold here in Canada which used to have extraordinarily racist names. I don't think even we never had racist sweets. Really? And we're England. So, <laughs> if I say licorice babies, can you make the leap? Really? That's what my grandma used to call them. I mean, may have just been my grandma was a racist piece of shit. I mean, possible. <laughs> she was Italian. But, uh, yeah. Mm, no, I don't, I don't remember that. I mean, we just had racist images on jam, so we didn't bother with sweets. And toys. Don't forget the toys. Oh, yeah. Can't beat the toys. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, where was I recently? I was in a charity not charity shop i was in an antique shop and they had loads of them it's quite really? frightening yeah staring at me were there any confederate flags anywhere i feel like these two things would run in tandem <laughs> it's not a big call for them around here to be honest <laughs> uh, i don't know i don't know what the equivalent would be in the uk national front flag it's good for burning that's about it <laughs> so, yeah, i like confederate flags <laughs> so thank you keith that was incredible I will enjoy a bag of suck later. (laughs) Hillary says, In early September of last year, 2022, I passed two gallstones and developed pancreatitis. If you ever have the opportunity to have pancreatitis, I highly recommend you pass on it. Done deal. I give it a 15 on a 1 to 10 pain scale, where 10 is unmedicated childbirth, and the fall where I fractured the side protrusion of three lumbar vertebrae registers at about 9.5. The pain is unimaginable and simply shouldn't exist. Anyways, the treatment for severe pancreatitis is IV pain meds, IV fluids, and a diet of clear fluids until the enzymes had leveled off. Dilaudid kept me from writhing in pain, but didn't make me comfortable. I had basically no concept of time or even days for a while. It was awful. After a few days, I moved from IV pain meds to oral pain meds, but I also developed ileus, which is when your intestines become paralyzed. Starting around day six or seven, I think, I started seeing little black figures out of the corners of my eyes. 
I couldn't see any distinct forms and they weren't hiding or anything. And one of my nurses had mentioned there was no need to worry about my pain med intake as long as I wasn't having hallucinations or seeing things that weren't there. So, do the meds cause your brain to see things that aren't there? Or do the meds blur the lines between this world and another? Or raise a veil that our conscious thought keeps intact? I don't know. And I'm not sure there's any way to tell, but clearly it happens a lot if my nurse mentioned it. You've talked about it before, most recently in The Plaid People, so I thought I'd throw it out there for you. Keep the stories coming. Well, Hillary, that sounds fucking awful. I'm, I'm glad you're feeling better. Holy Christ. Uh, as for the other thing, I, yeah, as you say, there's, there's no way to know. With, with, no one knows anything with the paranormal. There's, there are no hard answers. But I know I had a friend uh, who, the very first and only time he was given a Percocet after his car accident, he saw little tiny elves pulling off strips of his skin. And uh, he decided after that he was done with Percocet. He loved morphine, but uh, he was never again taking a Percocet. I remember he said there was one of the elves, or several of them, were in little biplanes. And they were like flying down, or dry, riding down his arm. And then when they took off, they were pulling strips of his skin off and behind them like banners. <laughs> Sounds like 1993 to me, that. <laughs> <laughs> the Paul Bestel special. You used to have to pay for that. Yeah, well, I, yeah, not much, but you did, um, allegedly. And, um, yeah, well, when I, I don't know what they gave me in the hospital. I would imagine it was morphine when I started hallucinating. Um, and oh, I, right. I, just, I just found it very odd that I saw fairies, um, which is yeah. not something that I would think would be. And I, clearly I was fully aware of what was happening and saw them pop, pew, like little, pew, like somebody turning on a light bulb and they were there just like appearing out of the ether about half a dozen of them, and they were all distinctly dressed and everything. Next thing I knew, I woke up. <laughs> but I tell you what, I was feeling really good when they arrived. Woo! I bet. So I've, I've, they never told me what they'd given me. Never. I have no idea what it was. So when you find out they didn't give you anything? Oh, no, they did. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know they did. <laughs> so I was just on an IV. I, had, I mean, obviously, I had... 30 litres of fluid pumped through me because I was so dehydrated. Holy and, shit. And, uh, and it was the last bag that they gave me just after the, uh, after the Quincy had burst. And they just came oh. in and changed my bag. And within 10 minutes, I was like, whoa, where are we going here? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I was like, I am, I am now the bed. <laughs> I am one with everything. Ooh. Nick was watching this this program the other day, and it was, you know, it was on legal highs. <laughs> should this be legal? Well, they're only legal because they keep changing the chemical nature of these fucking things. Like, no one's saying you should take them. This is a problem. Yes, it is a real problem. This does not demonize cannabis. This should demonize fucking man-made compounds that are just fucking shoved out with no safety testing. That's what you should be afraid of. And also, you should be afraid of the fact people are buying this shit because they can't get legal cannabis. Like, Fuck. It's so just a completely ass backwards, like, oh, legal, these are legal highs, which just, oh, it always implies that there's some kind of tacit endorsement, which of course there fucking isn't. Yep. Oh. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's never been right since they banned poppers. Okay. <laughs> they were legal at one point? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's only recently they've been banned here in the UK. Interesting. Well, they're okay. not really banned. They're banned. Ah, <laughs> uh, the old, the classic. I gotcha. <laughs> Oh, usual, sir. <laughs> you have to ask for it. It's like the video nasties. It's under the counter. <laughs> Brown paper bag. Yep. 
Yeah, whatever you do, don't do it in the street. And then five minutes later, you just hear somebody laughing hysterically. I'm a man. <laughs> I'm made of marshmallow. <laughs> I am so. I, I just. I'm not a drug guy. I have just tried so few of these things. I've tried mushrooms a couple times. Obviously, you know, cannabis a bunch, and that's it. I just don't. Uh, I've had one Tylenol three in my entire life. That is the only opiate I've ever had. Was one Tylenol three capsule. Well, good. That's that's a, that's a good way to be. I, uh, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I just I've been I lucky enough. I haven't been uh, terribly injured. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I work with a lot of people like that. Oh, in the in the government. Yeah, a lot of a lot of boring stiff people. Well, they are, and then they drink fourteen pints on a Friday. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. sit there and tell everybody how bad drugs are. Yeah, I don't do drugs. Just drink until I pass out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Till I forget the horror that is my life. And assault an innocent bystander. The way God intended. <laughs> they really invented Stella if he didn't want me to fight. <laughs> That should be in their ad campaigns. Every pub I ever worked in, I had it taken out first day. Oh, really? Sends people whappy. Oh, really? You think it's like it's got a very, it's got a specific effect? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I've replaced Stella in every bar I ever had with with equivalent, if not stronger, alcoholic beverages, and had nowhere near the issues associated with Stella. Interesting. It is because it likes to promote itself as a classy drink. <laughs> You know, it sponsors tennis and it's always high-end advertising and, and it's reassuringly expensive and it's just huh. drunk by meatheads. I've never enjoyed it. And uh, they say this sort of uh, confirms that for me. No, I never, never liked it. Never liked it. I wouldn't wash the car with it. Stephanie says, Today I had an eye-opening moment coming to the end of the most recent episode. I've always appreciated the mental health segment at the end of the episodes but only tonight noticed that I've started speaking along with them. And I hope now that there is a time where I feel a creeping sense of loneliness or hopelessness, that I will continue to reiterate those same words to myself, almost like an impulsive word association. So yes, it meant a lot tonight, and I just wanted to let you both know that it really does make a difference. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm happy we could uh, help make some kind of difference for you. Next up is Brooks. Brooks says, I live in northern Colorado, and right now I'm attempting to drive south to Denver. In 45 minutes, I have gone 22 miles total. The <laughs> podcast is keeping me from losing my absolute shit. The only thing keeping me sane is the podcast. The laughter, jokes, stories, conversations are filling the motionless car as I sit on the interstate. Well, Brooks, we're happy we can keep you together. You've been listening to the show for a long time. I'd, I'd hate to see you end up in jail. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I hope you made it to Denver and in, in, I hope everyone else made it to Denver. Pardon me. I hope you made it to Denver with everyone else in one piece. That's the power of the airport there. It can change time and space. Or slow it down at the very least. Mm, well, that's because it is such a, a magical, mythical place, isn't it, Denver Airport? That's enough of that. <laughs> let's, not, let's not make this worse. <laughs> we know there's aliens in Denver. We've all seen Mork and Mindy. Jeez, uh, I didn't thought about that. That documentary, Mork and Mindy, I remember that. So, yeah, because it was a follow-up to that other documentary about life in the 50s, Happy Days, or whatever it was. Nanu, nanu, my friend. Nanu, nanu. <laughs> All right, so this is going to be our last email for the night. And I just wanted to give you a quick content warning. This email deals with the topic of domestic violence. So if that is a difficult thing for you to hear about, I recommend you skipping towards the end of the show, get to hear the new song from The Revenants. And if that's not a problem for you, then 
Keep listening. I wanted to respond to Paul from the 4th of July Talk Spooky to Me episode and say thanks for talking about grief that way. I had a friend who boasted about really knowing what it was to be torn in two, as Tolkien calls it. She lost her mum to suicide, and I validate that this is something devastating for her, even three decades later. I have a grief that very few people are aware of. On Christmas Eve in 2004, I let my husband know that a friend was asking me to meet them for lunch sometime while I was visiting my in-laws. My husband read this as me trying to abandon him and his overbearing family, and he kicked me in the stomach so hard that I fell backwards over a table and then stormed off. I went to Christmas vacation pregnant and came back not because he hated me for wanting to see a friend. He also broke my wrist the next day over a family game of Monopoly. I left in February 2005, but I hadn't told him or family yet. It took me until 2015 to tell anyone, and it was because he was getting remarried and needed me to write a letter to the church about unresolved issues there might be. I wrote up the recommended prison sentences for everything he got away with. They got him mental health treatment and I got PTSD. It took him three years for the church to let him get married when they heard about all of that, but now his wife's grandkids think of him as their Papa John. He boasts about being a good stepdad to three kids. A few years after he cheerfully wanted my go-ahead to have a happy life, I read an article on pregnancy loss. It said one coping mechanism is to name your child. I immediately started thinking of mine as Beth, named for my grandmother and one of my best friends from high school. It makes it a little easier to think that I miss Beth, but Grandma Eunice Elizabeth can look after her now, but I also grieve that she'd have graduated this year. I never got to introduce her to 13 cousins on my side. I'm frequently harassed for not having a husband and kids, even by my own family who think that I should have stuck it out long enough to have a family. I stopped trying to explain myself two years ago and replaced speculation with, he tried to kill me three times, you wouldn't have had grandkids, you'd have had a murdered daughter. Grief never goes away, and thank you for acknowledging the struggle of it. So Anonymous, thank you for sharing that. We're happy you're still here, and Jesus Christ, your family can go fuck themselves. Um, my grandmother had the same thing. My my maternal grandfather uh, was violently abusive to my grandmother, uh, and she left him, and her family essentially cut her out. My grandfather, her gran- her father, my great grandfather, I guess, essentially told her, "You made your bed, now lie in it." And it's gross, and I don't know why the fuck people do that. But folks, if someone in your life tells you that this is happening, believe them and don't ever fucking judge them for saving their own lives yeah and i i always find it incredible even in this day and age why people feel especially with women that it's it's a fairly simple question to say oh when are you going to get married when are you going to have kids like they're in a cult you know you've no idea why that person's making their life choices leave them be you want to do what you yep. want to do, fine. But don't try and push other people into it because you've no idea what they've been through unless they've opened up to you. So leave them be. Bugger off. And if, even if they have opened up to you, don't harp on that shit. Just listen and shut the fuck up. Yeah, I'm only here because my biological father didn't stamp hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? But fuck him, he's dead. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my, my only memories of my father most really are, are of him rampaging around the house. Those are my most, those are the things I remember about him. And of course he's dead too, but I, I just remember the smashing and the violence and the, again, he never hit my mother, but he, uh, he did everything but, and 
yeah. And so, I mean, if, if you're in that situation, if you are in a relationship that is abusive, there are numbers you can call. I've got for North America at the very least. In America, you can call 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can text START to 88788. In Canada, you can go to sheltersafe.ca and that will help connect you to support. Yeah, and if you're in a situation that you feel trapped in, you can also call in the UK 0808-200-247. That's 0808-200-247. And folks, we're talking to the, the, the friends of people who may be abusers. Just because someone behaves a one way, one way with you doesn't mean they're like that with everyone else. So if someone tells you a story about someone in your life and you think, well, I've never seen them behave that way, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter at all because people are more than one thing. And quite often this, one of the other things they can be is absolute fucking dog shit. I, years ago, and I, I might've told this story because anonymous mentioned a church and years ago I was dating a girl and her sister came to live with us because her husband was, uh, he was addicted to crack and he had fallen off the wagon and just gotten out of control. So she fled to Revelstoke to be with us for a while. And we were worried because he was a member of a church that was known to be pretty aggressive in advocating for its members, regardless of whether or not they were in the wrong. And she had left him once before to go with family. And he managed to convince his church that her family had abducted her because they didn't agree with his faith. That was not the case. It was because he was drug addicted, she had kids, and he was dangerous. But the church began making threatening phone calls to that family. And so when this happened to us, we were very concerned that this was going to be an issue as well. And certainly he made threatening phone calls. The church did not this time. But the first time they did that, it was because they just believed him. Oh yeah, no, he must be, he must be exactly the person he says he is. He's, he has been wronged. And I just encourage you, if you are one of those people in that position, just think critically about it just for, just for a second. Because again, he's not like that to me. doesn't mean jack shit. There's one more thing I want to say, and I'm speaking to men here because I'm a man and I think it's important for men to say this to other men. Don't ever hit. If you feel like you're going to hit someone, whether it's because you're angry or frustrated or whatever, remove yourself from that situation. Now, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that you are not someone who wants to hurt someone else, that you're just, again, you're worked up and this is your outlet. No, it's not. If you feel like you are in a situation where you even, you're going to break things, leave the room, leave the room, go some, even if you think I can't leave right now, it's going to look bad if I leave, leave. Because however bad you think leaving is, staying there and causing the harm that will come from what you're about to do is so much worse. I say this from a place of love. I don't say this from a place of judgment. I'm saying leave the room. Violence is not okay. Seek therapy. It's helpful. It's more helpful than I can ever tell you. I am an angry man. I don't hit people. I never have, thank God. But I am an angry man. And I have in my life sought therapy, and it is the only thing which I believe has kept me whole and functioning. So, again, I'm saying this because I'm a man. It's easier for a man to speak to men. If you are angry, if you are upset, if you feel trapped, and you think the way to solve that or to, to purge that emotion is to hit someone, it's absolutely fucking not. The onus is on you to remove yourself from that situation 
and to seek help. And if you've already heard people, just in case someone gets the impression that I am trying to in some way excuse this behavior, I am not excusing this behavior. I'm not going to tell you it's okay if you feel bad about it, because it's not. The damage you've done is the damage you've done, and you're going to have to own that, and you have to live with that. But what you need to do now is make sure you don't do it again. Okay? You have anything to add, Paul? I think you've said everything quite succinctly. Fair enough. Well, thank you, Anonymous, and uh, thank you for listening, thank you for sharing, and yeah, keep on keeping on. All right, so that's going to be our show. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote us emails, commented on Instagram, YouTube, all those places. Please keep sending us messages. We love hearing from you guys, and we'll do our best to read them out on the next Talk Spooky episode. Remember, Talk Spooky comes out every two weeks. Next week, you'll see episode 167, and then Talk Spooky 8 the week after that. And of course, as with every episode, we have a musical guest. If you're a musician or part of a band and you'd like to hear your music featured in this segment on the show, shoot us an email. Again, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. We'll see what we can do. This time around, we're featuring a track from The Revenants. Of course, The Revenants are a project of the Boston-based musician Elliot Wilder. They're on our house label, Night Harvest Recordings. And the song is from their new album, Blue Period. It's a title track for that record, and we'll be playing that as we head out. But before we do, Paul, where can everyone find you online? You can find me on most social media platforms, either as Paul Bestel or as Mysteries and Monsters, including that newfangled threads thing that seems to be a daily attempt to make me lose my mind at the moment. Huh. But you can find me there. All right. I'm, on, I'm Largely the Truth on Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, and yes, threads. And my other show, Weird Together, is available on podcast platforms everywhere. And that's a look at independent horror films. As we mentioned, if you want to get in touch, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all those good places. And until next time, we will leave you with The Revenants and Blue Period. It's hard to see my way I keep crashing and falling down Like a jiggly anime Times are hard and times are mean Not no one with half a heart I keep hoping for a new dawn A brand new start